In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and in that life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. Thanks, Karina. Well, good evening, everybody. Good to see you. Quite tempted to ditch the sermon and throw down a few shapes of my own. That was good. <laughs> Stop it. Um, well, uh, the, th- the theme of the passage which Karina's just read for us is that, uh, is that Jesus is the one true light. That's been the theme of our services um, over all of these Christmas um, uh, Sundays that we've had through December. We have put it on the website. We've got it on our flyer. It's up there behind me. Um, we've written the passage uh, all the way around the church. You might have seen uh, that took Lauren a whole box of Sharpies to do that. It's quite impressive. Um, Emma's been texting us about the, the one true light. We've got these fancy lights behind us here on the stage. Uh, and it's all because it's a really major theme in the Gospels. Jesus, after all, said, I am the light of the world. Why did he say that? Um, I guess it's, it sounds obvious, but the point of having a light is so you can see, isn't it? And we don't think twice about it. We take it for granted that we can just flick a switch and um, have electric lighting. Um, but, uh, and it's difficult to sort of imagine or think back to a time when there wouldn't have been electric light. And I guess the number of people who can remember not having electric lighting is probably dwindling. But I guess it's like the generation of people who are growing up now um, would find it strange to think that there must have been a time before the internet, a time before Wi-Fi. But I remember. And uh, it was dial-up, wasn't it? Does anyone remember the sound of the boop, 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 when you're trying to get online? Charlie, get off the phone. Uh, get off the uh, phone. I'm trying to get on the internet. But uh, how could you possibly live without Wi-Fi now? It's the first thing you set up whenever you're going to move into a new place. You need, how can you live without Wi-Fi? In the same way, how can you live without electric light? Um, one of my absolute all-time favorite childhood memories when I was a kid um, was we had a really, really good winter. I think I was about six or seven. And we had a great snowfall, um, a really, really big um, snowfall of about two or three feet deep of snow, or at least so it seemed to me. I was probably only about two or three feet tall, but um, it was over my wellies, that's as much as I can remember. But as lo- along with this week of snow, we had a power cut that lasted the whole week as well. So basically, normal life just got totally postponed. We spent um, the days just basically building snowmen and going sledging and throwing snowballs. And I remember just having a humongous snowball fight with everybody in the village um, until, obviously, the light went and the sun went down and we went inside to defrost in front of the fire with a cup of hot chocolate and uh, play board games and that sort of thing. And it was just, I was about six or seven years old, I just remember it being the most amazing adventure. And I very vividly remember that if you wanted to go to the loo, you had to carry a, you had to take a candle with you in a teacup. It was just absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, normally, power cuts are an absolute nightmare. Um, I, luckily our electricity supply is pretty decent in this country but um, I lived for a while in South Africa where it's not and you get power cuts from time to time and you just knew you'd be sitting there in the evening 
um, and reading a book or watching a movie or something, and then the power would go down. And, you know, you knew it wasn't going to come back on again for quite a long time, so there's only one thing for it. Go to bed, because there's no point being awake if you can't see anything, and there's no Wi-Fi. Um, But I can't imagine living like that. I can't imagine that being like that all the time, even in the day, being dark everywhere. I can't imagine what it must be like to live in somewhere like Norway or Finland or somewhere like that, where they've just got these long winters with um, very, very few hours of daylight. Um, Well, that's actually the predicament that the Bible writers said, that the reading that Graham gave for us earlier says that the people before the first Christmas, before the one true light came, the people were, according to the prophet Isaiah, living in darkness. Um, nowhere near as fun, I suppose, as snowmen and hot chocolate and board games. No, it's more like medieval Oslo, uh, living in darkness. And, um, uh, but the, the darkness that the, the prophets um, described, it was a moral darkness. It was a spiritual darkness. And, of course, darkness is a metaphor, isn't it, for everything that is bad. Um, I saw the Star Wars movie a couple of days ago. Hands up, anybody seen the Star Wars movie? Don't worry, I'm not going to spoil it. Anybody who's yet to see it. But um, it's very good, though. I'll, I will say that. I was pleasantly surprised by the Star Wars movie. But the thing is, with, um, with all of the Star Wars movies, you have this whole thing of the dark side. It's a, a sort of a, a theme that runs through the whole thing. The baddies are always dressed in black, and everybody's sort of, there's never any peace in the galaxy because everybody's under the influence uh, of the dark side. Because darkness is a metaphor for everything that is bad and evil and wrong with the world. And according to the prophets, that's what the world was like before Jesus came. Not like Star Wars, but living in darkness. And really, you don't need to spend too long reflecting on perhaps some of the headlines over 2015 that we've had. Or just thinking about the situation which we're trying to raise money for this evening. Um, to combat the migrant crisis. You don't have to reflect long on the events that have taken place this year to realize that wherever Christ's command to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, wherever that isn't carried out, then the people today live in darkness as well. But, the prophet said, light was coming. And actually, the, the verses which our services today focus on, so we've been working our way through this John chapter 1, which is written all the way around here, but, but the verses for, um, for, this, for today's service are verses 6 to 9, which aren't so much about the one true light coming as about somebody saying that the one true light is coming. Verse 6 says, There came a man sent from, from God. His name wasn't Jesus. His name was John. He was not the light. He came as a witness to the light. And that John wasn't John who wrote this gospel, John the Apostle. It was John the Baptist. And it's worth knowing a a thing or two about John the Baptist, because um, I don't know where you know this, but John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He was six months older than Jesus. And uh, I always just think, how cool is that? What a claim to fame, to have Jesus as your cousin. Um, I don't know how competitive your family is. If anything like Anything like ours. I can imagine that having Jesus for a cousin might have presented a few problems. I don't know whether he just won everything or whether he just sort of, you know, let John the Baptist win from time to time on purpose. But, um, but whichever it is, the Bible makes a big deal about him. Uh, in fact, the Old Testament prophesies about John the Baptist coming. He's a big deal in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, because when John the Baptist grew up, he realized that he had a mission. And his mission was, as that verse 6 says, to be a witness to the light. 
So he was, he was a prophet. He was really the last in the line of the Old Testament prophets. All the Old Testament prophets were pointing forward to Jesus coming. They were all pointing forward to the day when the one true light would come. And um, one of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets was Elijah. Now, it was prophesied in the Old Testament that one like Elijah would come to prepare the way for the Messiah. In fact, that's the way that the Old Testament finishes. The last book of the Old Testament is Malachi, and the book of Malachi finishes the last few verses with a prophecy saying that Elijah is going to come again. There'll be one like Elijah. In fact, the prophecy says, I will send the prophet Elijah before that great and awesome day of the Lord, the day when Jesus was going to come. So, so John the Baptist was the fulfillment of that prophecy. He was the one like Elijah. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the Elijah who was to come, even wore the same clothes. Uh, in the book of Kings, we read that Elijah wore a thing made out of camel's hair and a leather belt tied around his waist, and that's what John the Baptist uh, wore. He was not the light. He came as a witness, a witness to the light. It's, it's good from time to time to um, drop little bits of Greek into sermons, um, just to make it look as though you know what you're talking about. And um, so here's my little bit of Greek for this sermon. Do you know what the Greek is for witness? So it says that John the Baptist came as a witness to the light. Well, the Greek word in the Bible for witness is martus, which is the same word for martyr. In the New Testament, witness and martyr are the same word. And in the early church, as in many parts of the church today, uh, one would inevitably lead to the other. Being a witness, if you witness to Jesus, uh, you could well end up losing your life. And so being a witness and being a martyr uh, were the same thing. And actually, that's exactly what happened uh, to John the Baptist. He was beheaded. We read halfway through the gospel story that John the Baptist had his head uh, mercilessly chopped off by King Herod. Not the King Herod who's the baddie in the nativity story, but his son. Isn't that extraordinary to think that John the Baptist, this one who was Jesus' cousin, who came, his whole reason for being was to say, to point people to Jesus. And uh, he never saw the fulfillment of Jesus' ministry. He never saw the cross. He never saw... The resurrection, he never saw the ascension, he never saw the Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost, he never saw the birth of the church, he never went around the world like the rest of the apostles telling everybody about the one true light, or writing bits of the Bible. No, he was martyred for his witness, as the last in the line of the prophets who was pointing forward to the one true light. That was John the Baptist's ministry. I mentioned electric light at the beginning, and... um, I just wonder, imagine if, you know the story of Benjamin Franklin messing about with his kite in a lightning storm? Benjamin Franklin in the 18th century, one of the sort of early um, researchers into electricity. And uh, there's that story of him playing around with his kite to try and find out whether lightning was electric. Can you just imagine, as he was researching into electricity, if he'd have seen, if he'd have had any idea of the impact on the world that his research would have. It was over 100 years before Thomas Edison made electricity into something as useful as a light bulb. But imagine if he could have just seen us here this evening gathered in light, gathered under electric light, gathered with these light bulbs behind us. Imagine if he could have seen that. Imagine if John the Baptist could have seen us gathered here this evening celebrating the one true light. He pointed forward to the light, and here we are, gathered together in his name. Because just as Jesus said that he was the light of the world, 
So he said to his followers, you are the light of the world. Because wherever Jesus' followers are gathered, wherever his church is, there is a beacon of light in a dark world. So let's be witnesses. Let's be martyrs. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And as I close, I wonder what sort of a light you think that Jesus is this Christmas. Is he a torch that you keep in the cupboard and get out when it's an emergency? Is he a flimsy candle that you carry around the house when there's a power cut? If you've got questions about who Jesus is and about why it is that we're gathered here at this time of year to celebrate his coming, well, we've got some brilliant evenings coming up in the new year called Big Questions. So you come and got Big Questions, well, that's the course for you. Come along and ask them. And um, you can find more about that afterwards. There are flyers um, all over the place with uh, the dates. And perhaps that's something for you to consider coming along to. And if you do, well, I pray that you find out that Jesus isn't really a torch or a candle. He's more like the sun. As C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not just because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came. Thank you that you haven't left us in darkness. We pray for our dark world that your light would shine. We thank you for the ministry of John the Baptist. Thank you that he came to point the way to you. And I pray that like him, you would help us to know you, to know that light, and to point others to it as well this Christmas time. Amen.